Psalm 126. Psalm 126. Psalm 126, verse 1. We've been looking at the great turnaround uh, for some time now. That was the theme of our prayer and fasting for the month of November. Psalm 126, verse 1. When the Lord turned again the captivity of Zion, we were like them that dream. Amen? Any captivity in your life, the Lord will turn around today in Jesus' name. So we've, we've been fasting, we've been praying, and we rounded up our prayer and fasting yesterday. And today, the topic I want to discuss with us, uh, within the limited time that I have, I know we are not going to finish it, but we'll continue next Sunday, is when there is a great turnaround. What did I say? When there is a great turnaround. When there is a great turnaround. Zephaniah chapter 2. Zephaniah, the book of Zephaniah chapter 2. I'm going to read from verse 5 to verse 7. Zephaniah chapter 2. From verse 5 to verse 7. If you are there, shout hallelujah. Uh, we don't know where it is. It's on the screen. <laughs> Amen. Zephaniah before Haggai, before Zechariah, before Malachi. So very close to the end of the Old Testament. Amen. <coughs> Zechariah chapter 2 verses 5 to 7. It says, Woe unto the inhabitants of the sea coast. The nation of the Cherethites, the word of the Lord is against you. O Canaan, the land of the Philistines, I will destroy thee that there shall be no inhabitant. And the sea coast shall be dwellings and cottages for shepherds and folds for flocks. And the coast shall be for the remnant of the house of Judah. They shall feed thereupon. In the house of Ashkelon shall they lie down in the evening. For the Lord their God shall visit them. Amen. For the Lord their God shall do what? And turn away their captivity. Amen. Amen. So we said, we want to discuss when there is a great turnaround. What happens? The first thing that happens is that God visits his people. God does what? He visits his people. In the passage we have just read, the prophet is saying that all the people that have been oppressing the children of Israel, they have one thing determined unto them. And what is that? He said, woe. Woe. He said, because there shall be a divine turnaround, God will visit his people. And when God visits his people, he will turn away their captivity. So that's why we started by reading Psalm 126 verse 1. He says, when the Lord turned again the captivity of Zion, we were like them that dream." In this month of December, God will do a new thing in your life. In this month of December, God will do something special in your life. And when the Lord has perfected it, it will be as if you are dreaming. Receive it in Jesus' name. So the first thing that happens when God turns, I mean, does that great turnaround in the lives of his people is that, number one, God visits his people. God does what? He visits his people. 
Now, this visitation is an answer to prayers. It's what? It's an answer to prayer. I know we've been praying, and many of us have been praying all through the month of November. We were here yesterday evening praying, and I want to tell someone here today, God has heard your prayers. Amen. I said, God has heard your prayers. Amen. So the visitation we're talking about is an answer to prayers. In Exodus chapter 2, Exodus chapter 2, from verse 23 to verse 25, Exodus 2, 23 to 25, the Bible says, it came to pass in the process of time, the king of Egypt died, and the children of Israel sighed by reason of the bondage, and they cried, and their cry came unto God by reason of the bondage. Next verse. And God had their groaning. God did what? He had their groaning. And God remembered his covenant with Abraham, with Isaac, and with Jacob. And God looked upon the children of Israel, and God had respect unto them. Maybe you've been crying unto the Lord. Maybe you've been groaning unto the Lord. Maybe you've been weeping unto the Lord. Maybe you've just been praying unto the Lord. God will have respect unto your situation in Jesus' name. Amen. When God saw the state of the children of Israel, the Bible says he sent Moses unto them. When God was ready to visit his people, he sent Moses unto them. In Exodus chapter 3, Exodus chapter 3, from verse 6 to verse 10, we see where the Lord appeared to Moses in that burning bush. And Moses saw the bush was burning, but the grass was not consumed. And the Bible says, God began to speak to Moses. He said, I am the God of thy fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob. And in verse 7, the Lord said, I have seen the affliction of my people which are in Egypt. I have heard their cry by reason of their taskmasters. For I know their sorrows. Now look at verse 8. I am come down to do what? To deliver. to deliver them out of the hand of the Egyptians. So God himself decided to visit his children. And he sent Moses and Aaron unto them. The Bible makes us to understand that Moses went, Aaron met him. And they gathered the people in Exodus chapter 4, verse 29 to 31. Moses and Aaron went and gathered all the elders of the children of Israel. Exodus chapter 4, verse 29 to 31. And Aaron spoke all the words that the Lord had spoken unto Moses. And did the signs in the sight of the people. Verse 31. Very important for what the Lord wants to do. The Bible says, and the people believed. The people did what? The question is, do you believe this morning that God is ready to visit you? Do you believe this morning that God is visiting you? The people believed when they heard that the Lord had visited the children of Israel and that they had looked upon their affliction and they bowed their heads and worshipped. Now, at this point in time, they were still slaves in Egypt. Amen? They had not yet been set free. But God just sent a word to them. Like he's sending a word to someone here today. God just sent a word to them and said, I have seen your prayers. I have heard your prayers. I have seen your cry. I have come down to attend to your situation. And I pray for someone here today. God will attend to your situation. 
I pray for someone here today. By the time you live here today, you'll be a changed person. When Moses and Aaron gave their testimony, this is what the Lord said unto us. The people believed. And this culminated in the ten plagues that God released upon the, 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 the Egyptians. Oh, they were not willing to let Israel go quietly. But you see, brethren, what matters is that God has spoken. That's what God has spoken. God has spoken. And whatever God has spoken, it shall come to pass. The Lord knew that Pharaoh would not let Israel go quietly. So he put in place some plagues that would make Israel, I mean, uh, Pharaoh to let Israel go. And he knew that until their children begin to die, Pharaoh would explain away every miracle. The way many of us do. When God begins to move in our situations, we have an explanation for everything. God is walking, God is guiding us, God is revealing himself unto us. We always have what? An explanation. Oh, that one is not God. It's just me. God is telling you, this is what I want you to do. You say, what? It's just me. You know, this thing happens to me. Something just comes to my mind. The Holy Spirit is talking to you. You are calling the Holy Spirit something. When he, begin, when he stops speaking, you don't blame him. The Spirit of God will not depart from you in Jesus' name. Until, brethren, the firstborn of Egypt died. And the Bible says the Egyptians were all dead upon the children of Israel. I said, please go. We are all dead men. You have crossed over from November to December. Your season of celebration has come. Amen. Because there is a divine visitation. The Bible says in Exodus chapter 12, from verse 40 to verse 42, that the children of Israel sojourned in Egypt for 430 years. And the exact day that it was 430 years, the Bible says, the self same day it came to pass that all the hosts of the Lord went out from the land of Egypt. And God is making this day a day that will be special in somebody's calendar. Amen. A day of God's own unique visitation. A day that you will remember that on, the, the, on December 1, 2019, God visited me. Amen. God will visit you in Jesus' name. Amen. The birth of Jesus was an answer to prayer. True or false? The Bible makes us to understand in Luke chapter 2, from verse 36 to 38. Luke 2, 36 to 38. That there was a woman by name Anna, a prophetess, the daughter of Phanuel of the tribe of Asher. She was of a great age and had lived with her husband seven years from her virginity. In other words, she was married for only seven years. Her husband died. And she devoted herself to prayers. Verse 37 says, she was a widow of about four score and four years. She had been a widow for 84 years. That's what the passage is saying. But she did not depart from the temple, but served God with what? Fastings and prayers. How often? Night and day. Brethren, great miracles need great sacrifices. That's one problem many of us have. We said we should fast for the month of November. Some of us fasted for one day in November. Some of us fasted for, I don't know, even that one day you, you broke your fast at 12 noon. 
God will have mercy in Jesus' name. This woman fasted day and night for how many years? 84. It's in your Bible. 84 years. Only God knows. We are not told how old she was at this point. But the Bible just tells us that she was married for seven years and then her husband died. And for another 84 years, she was in the temple praying day and night, fasting unto the Lord. Her prayers made the Lord to realize that it was time for Jesus to come. And if you look at the great things that Jesus did, you will realize why it required so much to bring him to pass. Somebody was, I don't know, I think I saw this somewhere, comparing the pregnancy of an elephant with the pregnancy of a dog. Amen? But the, the time of the pregnancy of an elephant is such that all, during the course of that pregnancy, the dog will have been given back to, grown, have another child. The dog continues to breed. But when the elephant is born, the elephant at birth is bigger than any dog. Because of what that elephant will accomplish. Is somebody with me this morning? We are told that there is a tree called the date palm. That when you plant a seed of the date palm, the seed begins to root and the root goes where? Down. But nothing comes out. And this is not for days. I don't know for how long. If I'm not wrong, I believe it's either for months or maybe up to a year. The root will continue to go down. Because these are things that usually they thrive in the desert. It will continue to go down. Get water, be comfortable. All of a sudden, what happens? The, the, the leaf will sprout out. It will be like, as if it's a miracle seed. It does everything growing. But the seed has been in the ground for a long time. The root was being developed. Anna was in the temple fasting and praying. Brethren, there are no shortcuts in the things of God. Tell somebody there are no shortcuts. In the things of God. There is place for mercy. There is place for favor. Somebody here will find mercy in Jesus' name. You will obtain mercy in Jesus' name. God's favor will abide with you in Jesus' name. Even the Bible says Jesus grew in favor with God and what? But yet, he was on earth for 30 good years. Where all he was doing was he was growing. He was learning. He was learning to be a good carpenter. For 30 good years. The preparation of 30 years culminated in the ministry of how long? Three and a half years. It's a biblical principle. We cannot short-circuit it. Tell somebody, when God begins to bless me, don't envy me. Because when I was fasting, don't be, I'm the one saying, say, because when I was fasting, you were eating four meals a day. Amen. When God visited Mary, the mother of Jesus, the Bible says she conceived and gave birth to Jesus that God may prove that with God nothing shall be impossible. 
Brethren, God had to do the impossible to prove to you that nothing is impossible. And many of us are still living our lives as if what that passage says is few things are possible. Is that what the Bible says? The Bible says nothing shall be impossible. And it demonstrated that with that visitation. Luke chapter 1, we are not going to read it, but from verse 26 to verse 38. Luke 1, 26 to 38. When the angel of the Lord came to Mary and said, The Lord is with you. You are a favored woman. She said, which type of salutation is this? But that was the beginning. Until the angel said, you are going to have a child. I said, how can this be? Seeing that I know no man. And in verse 35 of that passage, the angel that appeared to her said one thing. He said, the Holy Ghost shall come upon thee. The power of the highest shall overshadow thee. Therefore, the holy thing which shall be born of thee shall be called the Son of God. Brethren, the Bible says in Zechariah chapter 4, verse 6, right? It's not by power, it's not by might, but by what? By my spirit, says the Lord of hosts. With God, nothing shall be impossible. With God, all things are possible. So long as the foundation is where? It's in the spirit of God. And the Spirit of God is not a magician. I hope we know that. He does the impossible. But whatever he does is rooted on the foundation of the world. Foundation of what? The world. The, world. the Bible. The Bible. And brethren, no matter what happens in church, there's a song we normally sing at the children's church. Read your Bible. Pray every day, pray every day, read your Bible. If you want to grow, you must read your Bible and pray how often? Every day. Not once a week, not only when you are in church. And some of us, even in church, we don't read our Bible. And it's true. Some of us come to church without the Bible. If we are in church and this thing does not work, well, the pastor knows it, let him say it. <laughs> Even if a pastor is, uh, says in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth, and he says in Revelation chapter 9. Yeah, his pastor, let him continue. Read your Bible and pray how often? Every day. Every day. Every day. The power of the Most High shall overshadow you. The Holy Ghost is here, brethren. And it will do something in the life of someone. Amen. I say it will do something in the life of someone. Amen. You will not live that the way you came in Jesus' name. Amen. Everywhere Jesus visited, he brought light into darkness. And they were no longer the same. And brethren, Jesus is not just visiting here today. Jesus dwells here. I hope you know that. True or false? He dwells here, not because we call this place a church, but because the Bible says he dwells in you and I. And this is our father's house. Everywhere he visited, the Bible says he brought light into darkness. Matthew chapter 4. Matthew chapter 4. Matthew chapter 4, verse 13 to 17. Leaving Nazareth, 
He came and dwelt in Capernaum, which is upon the sea coast, in the borders of Zabulon and Naphtali. Continue verse 14. That it might be fulfilled which was spoken by Isaiah the prophet, saying, The land of Zabulon, the land of Naphtali, by the way of the sea beyond Jordan, Galilee of the Gentiles. Verse 16. And that's the point I want to make. Take all of. He said, The people that sat in darkness saw what? They saw what? To them which sat in the region and shadow of death, light is sprung up. Light is sprung up for you today in Jesus' name. That's why the Bible says, arise and do what? For your light is come. And the glory of the Lord is what? Is risen upon you. The glory of the Lord is shining upon you. Because Jesus is here today for an encounter with you. Because it's your season of what? Of great turnaround. Because the Lord is visiting to turn things around. To turn things around. In Matthew chapter 4, verse 24, I mean verse 23, very important. Matthew chapter 4, verse 23. The Bible says, Jesus went about all Galilee, teaching in their synagogues, preaching the gospel of the kingdom, and healing all manner of sickness and all manner of diseases among the people. Brethren, even as we share the word of God today, as we discuss the word of God, Jesus is here to heal. Jesus is here to do what? He's here to heal. If you will yield that sickness, that disease unto him and stop saying it's my headache. It's not your headache. Tell somebody it's not your headache. Stop saying it's your migraine. Ah, is this my migraine? No. Whenever it comes, I can't do anything. It's tell somebody it's not your migraine. Jesus is here today to take it away. Whatever it is, just give it unto him. Oh, I know the doctor has spoken. But the doctor is not the ultimate. The doctor is not the authority. The doctor of all doctors is who? Is Dr. Jesus. He went about preaching. He went about teaching. And he went about healing. Healing. And he's here to heal today. So number one, whenever there is a great uh, uh, turnaround, there is a divine visitation. Number two, whenever there is a great turnaround, reproach is taken away. What did I say? Because there's a great turnaround, your reproach will be taken away today in Jesus' name. In that Zephaniah chapter 2 verse 8, the Lord was speaking. Zephaniah chapter 2 verse 8. He said, I have heard the reproach of Moab. And the revilings of the children of Ammon, whereby they have reproached my people, and magnified themselves against their border. You know, when uh, Jabez was praying, he said, Oh, that thou will bless me indeed. Right? 
Then he said, oh, thou, thou will do what? Enlarge my coast. In 1 Corinthians chapter 4, verses 9 to 10. Now, in this passage that we read here, the Bible says the people of Moab and the children of Ammon, who are the descendants of who? Of Lot. He said, they have reproached my people and magnified themselves against their border. In other words, instead of the border of Israel enlarging, the border was being encroached upon. Whatever is limiting you in this land, whatever is limiting you today, the Lord himself will address in Jesus' name. Amen. Because when there is a great turnaround, what does God do? He takes away the reproach of his people. That which makes men to look at you and shake their head and say, just forget about that one. That story is ended. I want to tell someone here today that what they are saying about you, God will terminate it. Amen. That whatever be the negative story they are sharing about you, God will terminate it. Amen. Because God is here to take away your reproach. Whatever stands for a reproach in your life. And I, I mean, I can imagine so many things that can stand for reproach in our lives here. When somebody who is a medical doctor comes to Canada with great hopes and ends up being a taxi driver, that is a reproach. You know where you stand. You know that situation in your life that is a reproach. Let the Lord take it away today. Because there is a great turnaround. I say there is a great turnaround. I say there is a great turnaround. When Rachel, Rachel, the, the, the second wife of uh, uh, Jacob Abi, uh, is, uh, is, is that not Rachel? The sister of Leah. When she finally had a son, she recognized that God had taught her captivity and reproach. In Genesis chapter 30, from verse 22. Genesis chapter 30, verse 22. The Bible says, And God remembered Rachel. God will remember you today. Amen. Somebody doesn't want to be remembered by God. Amen. I say, God will remember you today. Amen. And God hearkened to her and opened her womb. And she conceived and bare a son. And said, God has taken away my reproach. That is a testimony. That is what? That is a testimony. And God will give you a testimony today in Jesus' name. And she called his name Joseph and said, The Lord shall add to me another son. In other words, God has taken away my reproach. God has given me Joseph, but I'm still waiting for Ruben. For, I mean, what's that boy's name? For Benjamin. God will add more to you. I said, God will add more to you. Wherever you stand now is not the end. God is taking you somewhere. He's taking you somewhere and there's no taking you back in Jesus' name. Amen. The same thing happened when God heard the prayers of Zacharias and Elizabeth. The Bible says when Elizabeth became pregnant, in Luke chapter 1 verses 24 and 25, she hid herself five months. Saying, thus has the Lord dealt with me in the days wherein he looked on me 
to take away what? My reproach among men. What is your reproach? God wants to take it away today. I said, God wants to take it away today. Because there is a great turnaround. The only reason he will not take it away is if you make up your mind that you will not allow him to take it away. There's a song we sing that says, turn it over to Jesus. Turn it over to him now. Turn it over to Jesus and you shall do what? You shall smile the rest of your days. Turn it over to Jesus. Turn it over to him now. Turn it over to Jesus and you shall smile the rest of your days. Weeping is over. Yes. Crying is over. Yes. Sleepless nights are over. Yes. Just take it and turn it over to who? To Jesus. He is the only one that can take away that reproach. As I round up, in Gilgal, God took away the reproach of the children of Israel. In Joshua chapter 5, from verse 2 to verse 12, the Bible says, the men that were born in Egypt were circumcised. The men that were born in the wilderness were not circumcised. And the Lord said, before you can go to the promised land, you must be what? Circumcised. So in Gilgal, God told uh, uh, Joshua to circumcise the children of Israel. And he did. They were circumcised on, I mean, at that verge of the promised land. And when they were healed, God made that pronouncement. In verse 9. In verse 9 of Joshua chapter what? Chapter 5. Joshua chapter 5 verse 9. And the Lord said unto Joshua, This day have I rolled away the reproach of Egypt from off you. Every reproach that followed you here today, God is rolling away. Amen. I said God is rolling away. Amen. But like the children of Israel were circumcised. There is a circumcision that is required of you. But it is not a circumcision of the flesh. What type of circumcision is it? That of the heart. In Romans chapter 2, from verse 25 to verse 29, we see Paul explaining unto us that the circumcision that is needed now is that of the heart, not that of the flesh. That is that which will ensure that your reproach is permanently rolled away. The circumcision of the flesh is, of the heart is impossible without Jesus. It's only Jesus that can effect it. It's only Jesus that can make it possible. In Galatians chapter 5 verse 6. Galatians chapter 5 verse 6. The Bible says, For in Jesus Christ, neither circumcision availeth anything, nor uncircumcision, but faith, which worketh by love. And in Philippians chapter 3 verse 3. Philippians 3.3. 3, the Bible says, We are the circumcision. Which worship God in the spirit and rejoice in Christ Jesus 
and have no confidence in what? No confidence in what? So my confidence is not in my PhD. My confidence is not in my CPA. My confidence is not in my good English. My confidence is who? Is in who? It's in Jesus. It's in Christ. That's where my confidence... Every other thing is based on that foundation. Without that foundation, every other thing is what? It's useless. But with that solid foundation in Jesus, oh, heaven is assured. And like, they will not, I mean, I will always say, the sky is not the limit. What is the sky? It's the beginning. When you get to the sky, you are just starting. Unfortunately, many of us, we look, we look, we, we seek to get to the sky the wrong way. The Bible says, seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Every other thing will be what? Added unto you. But we want to start with every other thing. And after that, we are going to come to Jesus. No wonder we struggle. No wonder we strive. We are so full of our academic, uh, 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 what's it, uh, academic Eric. achievement. Erudity, is that a correct English? <laughs> yes, now they say somebody is an erudite scholar. So, academic erudity. If it doesn't exist, add it to your name. <laughs> Amen. We are so full of what we know. It's about me. Me, myself, and I. And we leave God out of it. But the Lord is saying, You are missing it. Start with me. Tell somebody, start with God. Christ in you is the essence of the circumcision of the heart. And when it's in you, there's no limitation as to what you can do. It's then we can go back to Luke chapter 1 verse 37 that says, with God, nothing shall be impossible. It's then we can stand and say, the Bible says, Christ in you, what? The hope of glory. The hope of glory. There is no dull moment in Christ. There are challenges. Oh. You know that? But you see, because you know that with Christ in me, I cannot fail. Is that not so? It's impossible to fail with Christ. You know that the Bible says, and my people shall what? Shall never be ashamed. Joel chapter 2 verse 25 and 26. So all you need to do is to make sure you are counted among his people. That's why Psalm 46 verse 1 says, God is my refuge and strength, right? A very present help in trouble. He said, therefore, I shall not fear. Tell somebody, I shall not fear. Say, I shall not fear. Let the world be turned upside down. Let the mountains shake. Let the waters roar. Because God is my refuge and strength. Because my heart is circumcised with the circumcision of the blood of Jesus. I cannot fear. I shall not fear. I stand. I cannot fall. I will not fail. You will not fail in Jesus' name. Amen. I say you will not fail in Jesus' name. Amen. Colossians chapter 3 verses 11 to 14 I'll start from verse 12. It says, put on therefore as the elect of God, holy and beloved, bowels of mercies. Bowels of what? Mercies. Kindness. Humbleness of mind. Meekness. 
long suffering, forbearing one another, forgiving one another. If any man have a quarrel against any, even as Christ forgave you, so also do ye. Forgiveness. Look at the things that are listed there. Forgiveness. You sleep, you are in the same house, you sleep in the same room, on the same bed with your husband. And yet, you have refused to forgive him. Your parents trained you up to the time you graduated from the university. Then they offended you. And you say, that man, I will never forgive him. I don't know if that man is a Christian or not. It's either of two things. It's either you will meet him in hell, or he will go to heaven and you go to hell. Is somebody with me this morning? I'm rounding up. You refuse to forgive your dad because of whatever he did against you. You will have a party in hell. If he gave his life to Christ before dying, he will go to heaven. You can tell God he made me to come here and say, well, God will say, well, you were in Christ's chapel on December 1, 2019, and you refuse to forgive him. You have an issue against your mom, whatever it is. Forgive. Tell somebody forgive. forgive. You know, one man of God was addressing a women's conference one day. And he looked at the woman. And he said, how many of you here, at one point or the other, have not wished that your husband should die? <laughs> oh, yes. He, he said, how many of you, at one point or the other, has not wished that, let this man even die and go away. I'm tired of him. The people he was addressing are ministers of God. There's no marriage that doesn't have turbulence. There's no marriage that does not have tough times. It's no excuse for you not to forgive your husband or forgive your wife. Tell somebody forgive. It's not easy. If anybody tells you it's easy, the person is lying. But if you are going to make it to heaven... No matter for how, if you live to be 120 years on earth, heaven is for eternity. Yes, you don't forgive, you are not going to heaven. And I don't want to be lonely in heaven. I don't want to be the only per person from this church that will go to heaven. Who, who is going with me? We will all make it in Jesus' name. If we are going to make it together, you must forgive. Brethren, Forgive, forgive. The mercies of God are abundant. Before I go to my seat, I know there's something God wants me to do this morning. And I'm going to do it very briefly. We read Matthew chapter 4 verse 13. Or is it 13 or 23? Jesus Christ went about, he was teaching, he was preaching, and he was, he was healing. And I said... The healing grace of God is in the house today.